Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Guff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn how people survive plane crashes, why and how your spleen can multiply into extra spleens, and why people still use fax machines. Let's fax some curiosity. So to set up this story real quick, I got to say I was on an airplane last weekend and there was some pretty rough turbulence. And you know where my head jumps to? I don't know if this happens to you, Ashley. You start to think, oh, you know, all the worst things are going to happen. Even though you know, statistically, flying on a plane is extremely safe relative to like riding in a car or anything. Sure. But when you're up there, it's like, well, who knows? Right. When you get that like physical drop sensation. Well, if you ever do find yourself in an airplane like me having these irrational thoughts about something bad happening to you, I have some information that might make you feel a lot better. Even if you do find yourself in a plane crash, there's actually a pretty good chance you'll survive. And I mean, a really pretty good chance. According to a report from the U.S. National Transportation Safety Board, the vast majority of passengers involved in a plane crash between 1983 and 2000 survived. As in, 95.7% made it through the crash. Pretty good odds, right? And that's thanks to the engineering of the plane, its many safety features, and physics in general. Airplane manufacturers engineer their vehicles for crash safety. Plane crash victims aren't plummeting to the ground in a free fall like a skydiver without a parachute. They're riding inside of a giant tube of metal that's designed to maintain its integrity when it hits the ground during a crash landing. Even without their engines, airplanes are aerodynamic, and they'll glide to a crash landing at whatever angle they were in when their engines quit. You can thank Newton's first law of motion for that one, by the way. If you're still paranoid about flying, though, that's okay. There are a few things you can do to increase your chances of survival even further. The first one will require you to be okay with being one of the last ones off the plane. That's because a study by Popular Mechanics found that passengers in the rear are about 40% more likely to survive a crash than those in front. So much for first class. And try to stay awake during takeoff and landing, which are when the chances of a crash are the highest. Finally, if you do think you're about to crash, you should brace for impact, since there is some evidence that could up your chances too. Whatever you do, just remember, the next time you fly, you really should worry more about what to do on your vacation than how safe you'll be getting there. Did you know that your spleen can multiply so you can end up with extra spleens? No, you don't even know what your spleen does, do you? Okay, no problem. I got you. Your spleen is an organ that's about four inches long that sits in the upper left side of your abdomen that plays a big role in your immune system. It stores platelets and white blood cells, and it's also where old red blood cells get recycled. The spleen also recognizes certain types of harmful bacteria that cause pneumonia and meningitis, so it gives your immune system time to make antibodies. Without a spleen, about half a percent of people develop a deadly blood infection called sepsis. That's pretty good work for an organ that doesn't get much attention. Now, back to the original point about having multiple spleens. According to a 2014 study published in the Malaysian Journal of Medical Sciences, about one in five people have multiple spleens. This happens thanks to a process called splenosis, and it happens when you rupture your original spleen, which is pretty fragile. When this happens, cells from the spleen scatter throughout the abdomen. If the cells land somewhere with a lot of blood vessels, they grow into tiny extra spleens called splenunculi. But they're also known as accessory spleens. So fashionable. They don't really have a function, but they're not usually harmful. 
Still, if you undergo a splenectomy, physicians suggest taking out any accessory spleens in the process. Having those extra spleens could come with complications, like developing necrosis or tissue death, or being misread as another mass of tissue. Oh, and as far as we know, the spleen is the only organ that can do this. You're not going to be generating accessory hearts anytime soon. The takeaway? Your spleen is special and unique. I mean, I want my accessory spleens to have rhinestones. <laughs> Something else that should be special and unique is your morning cup of joe. And you can get your hands on the perfect coffee based on your personal preferences with some help from today's sponsor, Trade. Every time I travel, I try to hit up a new coffee shop. It's like my thing. Trust me, you can ask my wife. And there's nothing like that feeling when I check out a new blend and it's just what I like to drink. I don't always have the best luck finding a blend that hits all the right notes, though, and that's where Trade comes in. You can take the coffee quiz on their website, and Trade will recommend and send you delicious, roasted-to-order coffee from one of 52 award-winning roasters, featuring more than 400 coffees. And those roasters ethically source their beans, with a supply chain that makes sure money actually reaches farmers. Trade has made millions of matches, pairing people like you and me with their perfect cup of coffee. Seriously, if you're new to specialty coffee, you may not fully understand what it's like to find the best coffee you've ever had. And Trade offers the best deal for coffee of the caliber they offer, anywhere. That's why for a limited time, Curiosity Daily listeners can get 50% off, plus free shipping, when starting your subscription at drinktrade.com, when you use promo code CURIOUS. That's drinktrade.com, promo code CURIOUS, for 50% off, plus free shipping. One more time, visit drinktrade.com, promo code CURIOUS. For our last story, we're going to look into a question that might have crossed your mind if you've looked at the contact info of certain businesses lately. Why do people still use fax machines? Speaking of this, I was on Twitter last week and saw that people were celebrating the 24th anniversary of something. Do you know what this is, Ashley? No. Apparently, on March 18th, 1995, Michael Jordan announced he was coming out of basketball retirement and returning to the NBA. Do you know how he did this? No. He wrote down two words, I'm back. So that's legendary. And he sent it to reporters using a fax machine. Wow. It was like the world's first tweet, but it was a fax. And it wasn't first. So it was neither of those things. <laughs> but yeah, it's like back then, I mean, now celebrities will just tweet things and then you just, those get turned into news articles all over the world. But I guess back then you had to fax all your important news. Right, exactly. But I bring this up because to a lot of millennials like you and me, fax machines feel so 1980s, right? But as reported by The Conversation, faxes are still happening all the time all around the world, especially in a lot of countries outside the U.S., like Germany and Japan. A worldwide survey in 2017 looked at 200 large firms, and it found that 82% of them had seen workers send as many or more faxes than they had the year before. This is in 2017. As for why faxing is still so chic, there are a few reasons. Part of it is because the fax industry has actually done a pretty good job of adapting to new technologies. These days, there are fax servers that will let you send and receive faxes as electronic documents. And there are cloud-based fax services that will basically turn a fax into an image or a PDF file attached to an email. Fax machines have also stuck around for legal reasons. State and federal agencies made faxed signatures legal by the late 1980s and early 1990s. 
And although digital signatures were given legal power in 2000, like when you write a signature in an email, companies were slow to accept those signatures, if at all. Another example of the slow-moving legalese around technology is if you wanted to get a Schedule II drug like Ritalin or opiates from your pharmacist, you had to have your doctor fax it all the way up until 2010, which is when the drug enforcement agency started allowing electronic signatures. On top of all that, faxing is pretty secure. It's internationally popular and inexpensive. And hey, if your customers have been using a fax machine to order from your business for 20 years, what's your incentive to switch? A lot of people just feel like saving time and money doing what already works for them. Now, maybe someday when adults are all digital natives and we're all about email, the fax machine will go away. But as long as it's cheap, convenient, secure, and comfortable compared to its alternatives for a lot of people, the fax machine is something you probably shouldn't write off. It just leaves one question. What the facts say? <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. Today's ad-free episode was brought to you by our patrons. Special thanks to Jaris Durnett, Katrina Constantine, Julian Gomez, Luke Chapman, Manny Blaze, and Dan Patternity for your support on Patreon. We really appreciate it. You can support Curiosity Daily, too. Just visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash curiosity.com, all spelled out. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.